We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome, everybody, to Fielding the 68, the Field of 68's Bracket Show. I'm Kai McEwen, your host for the evening on a lovely Friday, guys. And boy, we've already started March, man, because I just watched the USC Upstate Gardner-Webb finale. USC Upstate, a steal, a fadeaway three off the backboard to win the game. Ah, March is here. Fantastic. Big South Tournament. Who knows? It's anybody's game. Uh, joined, joining me today is Lucas Harkins and Rocco Miller, two of the best bracketologists in the entire land. Fellas, how are we doing today? Rocco, how are you doing? Looking great as always. Hey, man. Uh, Kai, I'm doing fantastic. That was phenomenal. I had it on on this little Ooh. screen over here. I'm glad you started yelling right when you joined us today. <laughs> it's going to be an awesome show. Uh, good to be here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, start us off right. Lucas, how are you doing? Doing well. It's that time of year, isn't it? We're officially in March. We're closing in what I think is the biggest weekend of the year. Um, I can't wait for it. Indeed, indeed. Well, let's start off with this past week, Lucas. Let's talk about bubble outcomes, some lose, some some losers, some winners. Who do you think stood out the most from this past week can be a negative or a positive um, based on this week's results? Yeah, you know, it's tough. If you want to look at teams that were already in the field, uh, I think West Virginia did itself a lot of favors. Uh, winning at Iowa State. Iowa State's obviously been sliding recently, but that's a really big one um, for West Virginia. Boise State won at home against San Diego State. That's another big one. That keeps Boise State also mm-hmm. in the top 30 of the net, which will help out uh, who they face next, which is Utah State, uh, who dominated at UNLV, pushed themselves into top 22 in the net. They get Boise State at home for their chance at a quad one win. Penn State kept itself on the bubble, won at Northwestern. Um, and the ever so sneaky bubble team that is Villanova won at Seton Hall to keep itself yeah. in that must win at UConn and then play well at MSG um, situation. Villanova, man, they're creeping around. They're still in the conversation, maybe just a little bit, maybe not. Rocco, what do you see? Win tomorrow. What do you see from this past week? Hey, I'm proud to say I picked Villanova preseason to win the Big East tournament and not be in the at-large field. And okay. uh, man, that wow. could actually come true in about in about nine days. So yeah. we'll see. Um, but no, overall, um, I thought Boise State just from this past Monday uh, probably made the biggest move because they were pretty close to first first four territory to Dayton. 
if not right above there. That win over San Diego State, albeit a home game, um, really kind of solidified them with a third win against the field, beating the top team in the class of the conference in, in the Aztecs. And um, I, I think when you're just comparing the rest of the bubble, it, it makes Boise State pretty clearly in now. Um, so I think that was just a really important piece for their particular resume. Um, I would also say on the on the downside, um, you know, Rutgers is in a in a really yeah. interest, interesting spot because um, they lose that Minnesota game. That's their fourth loss in the third quadrant, which is kind of stand starts to stand out. I don't like to focus mm-hmm. on the quadrants all that much, uh, but it's four losses that are you know um, that are out pretty outside of the tournament level field. And you know when the committee starts looking at these teams closer and closer like this, they're a different team without Meg. And so um, that's good. that as they creep closer and closer down to the cut line, that that could be enough. Especially if they lose, uh, they'll play Northwestern this weekend. We'll probably talk about that game. Um, if they lose again, and it's it's going to be, um, you know, Rutgers might have work to do next week. So when you say you don't like to look at the quads too much, what do you mean by that? I like to look at the teams. I want to know who you played, where you played them, and how you did. Um, Because the quads aren't the end-all, be-all. Like if Ohio State's a Mm -hmm. quad one win, what are we doing? You know. Um, So, (laughs) so I think I think you know when you look at, we'll talk about one season in a second. Kansas has won at Kentucky and at TCU. Those are their best road wins. We -hmm. can talk about fourteen quad one wins or eighteen quad one wins. That doesn't do much for me. I want to know who you beat and why and where. Um, So even though Kansas had a million opportunities. Virginia is higher on the board than both TCU and Kentucky. So technically the committee has a point where Virginia being a stronger road win than anything Kansas has just a small little example for you, Kai, but I try to look at everything like that. You want to, you want to be able to come to a committee meeting and tell a story about a team and then compare stories and see which one you like better. Love it. Beautifully said Rocco. Let's get into the show. Good starting point here. We're going to start off with the one seeds. Uh, haven't changed in a bit. We're going to just flash up the consensus one sees from the wonderful fielding, the 68 bracketeers here. Alabama, Houston, Kansas, and Purdue remain on the one line. This is pretty universal at this point, I think, from everyone that tries their hand at bracketology. But I would say, in my opinion, it might be getting a little bit close with uh, the bottom of the one and, and a team like Purdue, uh, excuse me, UCLA coming up from the two-seed line. Uh, Lucas, your thoughts on the one seeds? Did you have it in a different order than the consensus graphic just flashed up on the screen? Your thoughts? Yeah, I have the same four, not quite in the same order. I finally made the decision to, to leave Kansas over Houston. Um, I had a really difficult time with that. I think they're one of the toughest teams actually to figure out where they belong. I mean, obviously Kansas is, is a lock for the one seed right now, but whether mm-hmm. they belong um, as the number one overall seed or the third overall seed um, is really tricky. Um, after I feel like they didn't really get a ton of respect at the bracket preview, they were behind Houston then. Uh, mm-hmm. But now they're up to 15 quad one wins. Nobody else in the country has more than 11. Yeah. Um, I think that this is a game that I think Kansas, if they beat Texas tomorrow, is going to be my number two overall team. If they lose to Texas, Houston probably goes back above. Um, but for now, I have Alabama, Kansas, Houston, Purdue as that order. Um, and as you said, UCLA is my is my main contender um, to potentially knock off Purdue if so happens. Is it overall losses for you for Kansas that's kind of holding you back from putting them over in Alabama? Obviously, the Q1 wins are they stick out, well, but go ahead. No, what holds me back for Kansas is just where they were placed at the bracket preview. Um, okay. I feel like it takes a lot to jump over. Alabama hasn't done anything to warrant falling off from the number one overall spot. 
Um, so I think that that's what keeps Alabama just slightly ahead, even though I probably, without the bracket preview, if that didn't exist, mm-hmm. I probably would have Kansas as my number one overall seed. Rocco, to you, I, I mentioned maybe UCLA now in the conversation, at least for one. Do you think they can get there? Uh, obviously, it would probably involve winning out here, but is Purdue really that close to falling off? Or do you think it's kind of more of a narrative out there if that isn't really true? Well, I, I think the comparison's getting a little closer uh, as time go, goes on. It's the hard thing is, is, you know, UCLA's obviously lost fewer games um, and they've ran away with their conference, but they don't play with the amount of challenges that Purdue plays with. Um, I think, you know, UCLA ending with Arizona at home, if they can get an emphatic win, they'll give mm-hmm. the committee a lot to talk about um, to, to finish the season. And certainly if Purdue falls at home to Illinois to finish, I think for me, that'd be enough to put UCLA above them pretty clearly. Um, if it ends up, they both win. I don't know if that's enough to warrant a change because Purdue's taking care of their business too. Um, so I think that's probably what it comes down to as we head into next week. Um, I think when it comes to the conference tournament, I don't know if much is going to shift from there because both of them mm-hmm. would have a, have a buy until Thursday. The committee meetings right. will, will start like Wednesday morning. And, you know, I, I don't think either of them will lose their first game. I would love to see my Washington Huskies knock off UCLA in yeah. the quarterfinals. It's not going to happen, Kai. So, <laughs> uh, so both those teams are probably going to win that first game. And if Purdue loses, they're going to play a much tougher team than, than like a Washington um, that UCLA will play. Would you agree that UCLA is the closest to kind of taking over one seed? Absolutely. Yeah. Because they, I mean, their, their resume is super clean. You know, Maryland's an unbelievable home team. They're the only team to win in that building, and they did it by a lot. Um, and so with they've they kind of, you know, it's like being the mystery man. Um, you, you know, you don't really you can't really prove they're not that good. You can't really prove they're, they're they belong bad. So right. the less you know about them, it kind of helps them more, right? So all they have to do is just keep winning and then they'll put a stamp on all that with a win over Arizona if they can do that. I think UCLA can make a run in the NCAA tournament. And if you think I'm wrong. You can prove it to me this season. We're partnering with Run Your Pool, who will be hosting the official Field of 68 bracket contest. Rob Douster, the head of Field of 68, (laughs) has actually worked with Run Your Pool before, which is why he and we are so excited to land this sponsor. They have more than 50 game types for every sport you can think of. Traditional bracket pool, survivor games, head-to-head games, pick X games, and of course, squares. The scoring is customizable. You can tailor your bracket rules to your pool. It's fantastic. Here's the best part, though. Run Your Pool is giving away $1,500 in cash prizes for free, for free. Just sign up at the link in the description, play.runyourpool.com slash field68. That's F-I-E-L-D-6-8. Fill out a bracket and be eligible to win. Hope to see you guys on March 12th. The real ones already know what date that is. That was an ad. Get back to the show. All right, bubble talk, folks. Let's get into it. Uh, some real intrigue here on the bubble. We talked about this past week. I want to start off with uh, last four in, and we're going to go, Lucas, give us your last four in, give us your spiel, and let's break it down. So my last four in right now are Auburn, NC State, Arizona State, and Utah State is my last team in. Uh, for Auburn, it feels like we've talked about Auburn a lot on the show this year, but this is the first time we've really talked about them like squarely on the bubble. Mm-hmm. Uh, they lost 8 of 11. Aside from like a really big 33-point blowout of Missouri, their only other wins since January 21st are over Georgia and Mississippi. They've beaten just one 10-pound top 100 team since mid-January. If the committee prioritizes recency, which, which it kind of did at the bracket preview, that, that's bad news for Auburn. Um, the metrics are still strong, and they get they get Tennessee at home, but they're 2-9 and nine in quad one. 
Uh, they've fallen pretty close for me. Uh, NC State's regular season's over. I think they're the only team in the SEC that's finished their regular season schedule already. Hmm. Uh, I'm not sure that's good or bad for NC State. Uh, they lost their last two games to Clemson and Duke. Um, they entered the NCAA ACC tournament pretty much right on the cut line. I think they need at least one or two. They could easily draw Boston College or Louisville in their first game, which doesn't really help them at all, which is where I think they were probably going to need two games. Like Auburn, they're not very good in quad one. They're two and six. Clean resume with no bad losses, but they have a non-conference strength to schedule at 241st in the country that holds them back. Uh, Arizona State got in the field by thanks to uh, a over half-court jump shot uh, and yeah. <laughs> against Arizona, and then obviously a loss to UCLA hurts them. Uh, but another big game coming up at USC. We talked a few weeks ago how Arizona State um, had maybe the biggest ability to shift things over the last two weeks of any bubble team. They're one and one so far. Getting to two and one would get them uh, pretty pretty solidly in the field going into the Pac-12 tournament for me. Their resume isn't that dissimilar from a team like Wisconsin on a quick glance. They both have high quantity of quad one and two wins, go with mm-hmm. low average metrics. Uh, but as Rocco mentioned earlier, in terms of top end wins, uh, top end road wins in particular, if you're comparing Arizona State and Wisconsin, Arizona State's at Arizona win um, is better than winning at Marquette. Um, so that gets the edge there. At Utah State is one of the more interesting bubble teams. Something kind of has to give Very when it comes to Utah State. Uh, nobody's made the nobody's made the field in the net era with a quad one win as an at large. Uh, also, nobody's missed the field with a net better than thirty three in Utah State's twenty second. Um, the net's not the end all be all by far. It's not even close to that. But as I, I want to ask, is the NCAA selection committee really going to say no to a team that ranks top twenty five in its own metric? Um, yeah. I think that's a question worth that worth asking, and it, it. But it's probably only worth asking if they don't beat Boise State tomorrow night. I think if Utah State beats Boise State at home for a quad one one, they should get in the field. Their metrics are outstanding. They're eight and five in quad one and two additionally. And Rocco, you're better at this than I am. But am I correct in thinking on the official team sheet, games are listed as away, home, and neutral games show the actual location? It'll just say neutral. And okay. Because worth noting in it for for Utah State is they have a win over South San Francisco um, at the Chase Center, which is which is four miles from San Francisco. Um, that's a quad three neutral site game. It's a quad two road game. It's a wonderful facility, by the way, Lucas. <laughs> Thank yeah. you. I appreciate it. Right, we'll get Rocco's last four in here, but man, Utah State. Uh, there is a question in the chat. Yes, Brady. Utah State has two Q four losses, if I'm not mistaken. Yep, two Q4 losses, zero Q1 wins, and yet they're top 25 net. They're 26th in Kempom. I mean, shoot, it's a, it's a real interesting case study, and we're going to learn a lot uh, based on what the committee does with them. We'll see how the end of the season plays out here. But uh, before that, let's get to Rocco's last four in here and discuss. Yeah, just a note on Utah State real quick. The neutral loss to SMU just squeezed into quad three today. Um, uh, not that, yeah, not that I want to harp on that, but it's it's a committee. I want to remind yeah. the audience, it's a committee of 12 people interpreting this information in different ways. That mm-hmm. might matter to like maybe four of the 12 people. And then you don't know who the alphas in the room are, you know, because yeah. that's usually <laughs> how it goes. Like who's going to bully who to agree on Utah State or disagree on Utah State? I mean, that's I what we're it. guessing. I'll bring, I'll bring a binder for the Aggies. There you go. Bracket politics, man. Yeah. <laughs> that's so something this, you is, can't, this is the reality. Predict. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's certain things you, you can do all day, but you get a team like Utah State, it's really going to come down to maybe something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but my last four in today, I'll digress, uh, is same as Monday. So I'm I'm got NC State uh, fourth above the cut line. 
for NC State, for me, um, just really not significant road damage. Their best road wins are at Wake and at VTech. Pretty good ACC level wins, but not tournament teams. They did not beat a, a tournament team uh, on the road. Um, so that's a little bit of a hole for the Wolfpack. They also have a subpar uh, record in the in the top half of the quadrant system, um, which is kind of a little bit of a warning sign at seven and eight. Um, uh, Lucas did a great job calling out that 240th ranked uh, non-conference rate the schedule. Uh, they really did go all out with the um, the 10 quad four contests that they played, which really don't matter. <laughs> So, um, so that kind of puts themselves in jeopardy. There's like this little bubble that forms for teams like this. We saw it in 2019 with the TCU Horn Frogs, a team that a team that 99% of the bracket matrix had in, and the committee left out. I'm seeing a lot of similarities with this NC State profile, um, albeit totally different because that's a Big 12 team. Just the similar things are missing uh, here with NC State. Um, but in for now, uh, we'll play it safe. Nevada, um, I dropped down to this level. Uh, they had been pretty safely in until that uh, almost double-digit or double-digit loss to Wyoming. Um, yeah. For, yeah. Nova- for Nevada, they still just have the two wins against the field, and they're both at home. So uh, although they do have that San Diego State win, um, it's, you know, there's a lot of mixed results now. And I, I think there would be some heavy debate on the Wolfpack in the room. Um, so they're, they're going to Dayton for me. And then I've got Arizona state for a lot of the same reasons as Lucas, um, really, really hard to find anybody with a win like that on the road, that shot changed so many things for possibly mm-hmm. Arizona state and, and Bobby Hurley. Um, we'll see how that plays out, but a, a massive game with, with USC coming, um, on Saturday, tomorrow, uh, so pay attention to that. And then the last team, I'm sticking with North Carolina. I'm not trying to defend it. I'm just trying to guess what the committee is going to do. Yeah. And and the, the thing about Carolina is they've got really not that much bad at all. They've only lost at home twice. Both of, The one was by one against Pitt, uh, against Miami by eight. Besides that, they're, they're perfect at home. They don't have any bad losses really at all. Um, and they're they're obviously not taking advantage of any of their opportunities on the road. Um, their best road win is still Syracuse. Um, so that's, a, that's a problem. But if you look at Duke, like Duke's best road win is Syracuse. So, um, it, it's really mm-hmm. interesting how that played out, but I think Carolina gets that Duke win, uh, tomorrow at home, um, should be um, enough to feel a tiny bit safer, but they're right in that range right now where bid stealers and things like that could, could easily kick them out. And, and while you won't hear, you won't hear Nevada in my last four in or my first four out. I'm with Rocco there. Nevada is my sixth to last team in. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. So you're not too far off in that one. Yeah. UNC, man. Interesting. Uh, I don't see the committee yeah. leaving them out. If, if they beat Duke is Duke a Q1 right now, Q1 win for them. Is yeah, they they're top 30. Like, they're 23 or something. Yeah. 23rd. Yeah. Two Q1 wins, no bad losses. Your name's Carolina. It sounds like a Dayton team to me. Especially well, two quad, two quad on wins might be a stretch. Virginia's, oh, Virginia's fallen, net. fallen. Okay. Virginia's That'd 30th in the net that they're one spot. They, they don't even have to play to fall out of quad one. They could just yeah, drop. True by virtue of other results. They're the last team that counts as a home quad one game right now. It'll be interesting to see what they do. I I mean, from a pure uh, eyeballs perspective, I think the committee and the NCAA wants Carolina and and Dayton. We'll we'll see what they actually do. Let's flash up the consensus fielding the 68 last four in here. Uh, Names we've heard before, Auburn, NC State, Arizona State, Utah State. I believe this was Lucas's uh, last four in. Yeah, man, Auburn. Whew, they've fallen down quick on the S curve here. Uh, hard to believe my Missouri Tigers are are much safer than the Auburn Tigers right now. 
Uh, funny how bracketology works. All right, let's go first four out and discuss. Rocco, going to you first. What do you got? Yeah, so Utah State covered very well by Lucas. Um, you know, I, I, they're a tough team to decide with. You know, I, I just I, I went with Carolina just more with the clean resume, no bad losses. Uh, obviously, Utah State has two uh, home home loss to Weber State, neutral loss to, to SMU in uh, in the Diamond Head Classic. Uh, but I think you know overall they've they've played like thirteen quad three games and gone thirteen and zero. Um, so they just have a bizarre set of results that are really tough to compare with the rest of the bubble, unless it's another mountain West team. Um, but they're right there. I mean, they're right there. And if they were taken, I, I couldn't really fight it. Um, Oklahoma state, very clear. Uh, they've got a win this weekend at Texas Tech, their last game. Uh, they're sitting there at 11 and 14 against the top three quads that, which tells you they have 14 losses. Um, you can't take 16 and get in. You can take up to 15. It's only happened a couple times. Uh, but with Oklahoma State, some of their wins, they, they would be considered uh, in that spot, but they're not going to get there unless they win either the Big 12 tournament or this weekend. So uh, they're going to get they'll be TKO'd out of the at large pool tomorrow if they if they lose. Um, so take that with a grain of salt. Uh, Penn State uh, is my third team out. And this is an interesting one. Obviously, a really nice win at Northwestern to get them a lot more interesting here this week. Um, probably should have talked about them at the start, but. Uh, they also get to finish against one of the worst road teams I've seen in a long time. That's an at-large team and that's Mar Maryland. Um, and, yeah. and so really good opportunity to close strong for the Nittany lions. Um, I do have concerns about their 281st ranked non-conference strength of schedule. Mm. That's historically not a good position to be in. Um, they also have losses twice to Wisconsin. Who's another bubble team. They've lost to Michigan, Nebraska, Clemson, and Virginia tech. So although they've beaten five teams in the field, they've lost to six, outside of the field. So some of that stuff for me is just not fully balancing uh, for Penn state. Now, if Penn state had beat a team, that's, you know, a protected seed, like on the top four seed lines, it'd be mm -hmm. a lot easier, but right now they've just got a nice mix of teams seated anywhere from like five to 11. So yeah. it's, it's, it's just tough. Um, so I think they're just still a little bit on the outside, but getting a lot more interesting. And then lastly, Charleston, we've covered them. Uh, the Dukes. The, the Cougs CAA tournament started today. They'll be taking the court in a couple of days. I think they got a double buy. Mm -hmm. um, I think, I think the only way they fully get considered is a nice run to the championship and a narrow loss to probably Hofstra, perhaps mm -hmm. a narrow loss to Towson would be interesting too. Uh, but <clears throat> a narrow loss to Hofstra uh, would be very interesting just because right now the strength of resume metric, which is on the team sheet. One of the only things you can really look at that is, any kind of common denominator with big schools um, has them 44th. And if you look at the big board um, right now, the top 46 are in. So if you look at Charleston as the 44th best, again, it's just, this is a, a group decision, Kai. So if you yeah. get, if you get half the room agreeing Charleston belongs, they're going to find a way in. So you can't count them out. I mean, Rocco, if they get 30 wins, how are you going to tell me a 30 win team doesn't make it? If you're in the, in, if I'm in the committee room, I'm saying 30 wins. No one's ever had 30 wins and not made the NCAA tournament. I, I just think it, it'd be nuts yeah. to leave them out and, if that, and, if that and, happened. And, right. And if, if Oral Roberts loses in the championship game or anywhere in that tournament. Them too. I mean, gosh. I mean, both of them have very strong. So though, though, mm -hmm. if you're sitting there watching all these um, smaller conference tournaments this week, those are the teams that watch really closely. I will indeed, say if, indeed. I'm, doing math, Lucas, if yep. I'm doing math correctly, I think Charleston will end with 29 D1 wins because they played North Greenville. True, um, right. which is which is a non-D1 game in early December. 
29 is yeah. pretty good. Right. I agree. Well. Is 29 and four really <laughs> going to miss the tournament? I, I'm totally on board yeah. with the argument. Uh, definitely. Yes, correct. And Henry points out in the chat as well. Yes, 29 D1 wins, which is what shows up on the actual team sheet. Yeah. All right, Lucas, let's right. get your uh, first four out here. Yeah, so I have three of the same teams that we've already discussed, but my first team out is Wisconsin, followed by North Carolina, uh, Penn State, and Oklahoma State. Uh, I dropped Wisconsin out of my field um, in favor of Utah State um, after the loss to Purdue last night. Really, the Badgers are just simply piling up too many losses. They've lost 11 of their last 16. Um, and as I mentioned with Auburn, if the committee waits recent results, like they kind of indicated at the bracket preview, uh, 11 losses in 16 games doesn't really sit right. Uh, mm-hmm. They do have six quad one wins, but they have the worst metrics of any team in consideration. They're below 500 against the upper three quadrants. They're 11 and 13 in those games. I think they could be in the field today. They also could not be in the field today. Uh, I don't think they have a particularly friendly path to move up either. Uh, they go to Minnesota um, on Sunday, which a win doesn't help very much. And the loss is disastrous, which we've already talked about um, in the big 10 as of last night. Uh, and, and I think, even if they beat Minnesota, if Penn State beats Maryland, which Rocco indicated earlier, Maryland's been pretty horrible on the road. If Penn State wins that game, Wisconsin's going to get the 11th seed in the Big Ten tournament, which means they will have to face Minnesota Jeez. again. And if they face Minnesota again, again, that's a game where a win doesn't help you very much and a loss is pretty disastrous. Uh, it feels weird, but Wisconsin's bubble might might rest on need and go 3-0 against Minnesota. Uh, they beat them by three yeah. at home in the first matchup. Uh, North Carolina is my second team out. Uh, Rocco had them in. I don't really, I'm not opposed to that. I think that they're a team that uh, really just needs the Duke win. I think if they beat Duke and if Virginia can stay um, with a solid finish, I think they'll get in the field. Um, it's a tough game though. They're, right now they're, they're trending towards being one and nine or oh and 10 potentially in quad one. It's really a difficult juggle for them because Virginia barely qualifies as quad one. Um, and if Virginia falls out and they lose to Duke, they'll be out for sure. Um, the metrics are good. Um, but winning at Duke is, is an absolute must. Um, Penn State, right on the same page with, with Rocco there. Uh, they've won four or five. They won at Northwestern. That's a big one. They get Maryland at home. We talked about it. Maryland's two and eight in the road. Their only road wins are Louisville and Minnesota. Um, Penn State's 12 and three at home this year. Uh, they can make a jump there. Oklahoma State, Rocco hit it right on the head. Uh, they lose to Texas, uh, to Texas Tech. They're going to have 16 losses um with, unless they win the automatic bid in the big 12 tournament that's not going to get it done they, they yeah. have to win um and if they do if they if they lose then jumping into that next four out i mean first four out kind of seems like a, like a michigan clemson villanova type team rocco did you have wisconsin on the outside of your first four out yeah they're fifth out for me i put charleston a little bit above them just okay. because in a real life selection situation today i would i would take charleston above them um but just i do think losses just, yeah, just yeah, but just a counterpoint a little bit to Lucas, even though they might play Minnesota twice in a row, for the way I view the data, because um, right now they're 11 and 13, two games under when you take away quad four, that would actually, those two little like whatever wins against Minnesota actually gets them back to 500. And I, <laughs> I start to get a little more comfortable putting them in. So yeah, but then they'd have to, but then they'd have to lose again. They do have to lose again. Right. <laughs> So they, well, that, I mean, if they can get the extra win on the way to that, uh, maybe, yes, they can, yes. maybe they can get to 14 and 14 at some point, yeah. Yeah. that would be, I guess the, the next round of the big 10. So, yeah. Yeah. Again, like we say, every time conference shouldn't matter. doesn't matter for committee. Wisconsin finishes 11th, the big 10. Yeah. I think you're going to get they some can, people they saying can finish that in the room. they can still finish 12th. Well, a loss to Minnesota. God. They can think because, because they, they would have, if, <laughs> If Wisconsin loses to, to Minnesota, they they lose the tiebreaker because yeah. they went 0-1 to Nebraska. 
Yeah. yeah, I think we all assume they lose Minnesota. They're they're done. Well, right? yeah. <laughs> hey, Kai, I've got one other one other thing I'll, I'll throw out there yeah. about North Carolina real quick. Mm-hmm. Um, so Bubba Cunningham, the athletic director, is on the committee. And oh, so, there you go. Uh, well, is yeah, he an alpha. But, but I want I want the audience to understand. <laughs> <laughs> he could be, but the it wouldn't matter theoretically if he is. Um, okay. But you could you could do your own psychology on it. The the rules are if your team is discussed, you have to leave the room. So okay. any any Carolina conversation, Bubba leaves. But I I mean I've served on these mock committees, right? And how it works is. You all, you all become buddies like throughout the process. You're like, but you're going to lunch together. You're going to dinner together. Drinks, so it's yeah. like when Bubba leaves the room, do you want to screw Bubba? I don't think so. Yeah. So um, that's, so that, there's some fun psychology right there for if Carolina is still in this position next week. Yeah. Especially if Bubba leaves a couple hundreds on the table and just gives a wink and says, I'm just going to leave these here. If they're gone when I come back, Hey, no big deal. That's, that's Bubba for yeah. you. I don't know Bubba personally, so I'm just, I'm speculating. <laughs> All right, let's get the consensus fielding the 68 first four out up on the screen. See if we got any differences here. We don't. Wisconsin. Familiar. <laughs> Wisconsin, <laughs> UNC, Penn State, and Oklahoma State. Man, I'll tell you what, I, I feel bad for Mike Boynton at Oklahoma State. I, I really was rooting for him, and I, I liked where Oklahoma State was about a week and a half ago, but yeah. boy, right now, it's not looking good for the Cowboys. You guys did a pretty good job breaking them down already. Let's shift gears to some more specific team hitters. I got a couple of things in the chat also I want to discuss. Let's start with the Mountain West and specifically Boise State. So they go from last four in on Monday. They're now sitting at a nine seed in the field in the 68 bracket. Was it just the win at San Diego State? Rocco, that's question one. Number two question is these Mountain West teams, Nevada, Utah State, Boise State, pretty much all of their good wins are against each other. How does that work when you're comparing to these power schools that are like hey we're michigan we beat some pretty good competition and you're just giving the mountain west rewards and rating them highly in ken palm for instance and predictive metrics and they're just beating each other what are your thoughts on those yeah good question so the first question i'll just say this uh partly boise state's own own good by beating san diego state really important Mm -hmm. win for them as i said but also we had teams like auburn rutgers um even usc uh and and pittsburgh uh, all lost. So Boise for me was able to jump above all those teams this week. So you have to keep in mind, it's a, it's a, it's a big picture thing. Um, so just everything went the Broncos way from that standpoint um, in terms of the mountain West comparisons, I think there are some subtle differences first Nevada and San Diego state have, or sorry, Nevada and Boise state have both beaten San Diego state, Utah state did not do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, on the flip side, when you're comparing Nevada and Boise, and I did this before the San Diego State game, so this would have been in my my Monday bracket post or Tuesday. Um, you look a little bit deeper in the resume. It's a, it's about at bats, and this will go into your larger question about how you compare them to a Michigan or a larger mm. school. Um, you know, they get way more at bats. So at a certain point, you're kind of looking at what's your percentage in those opportunities. So Boise State, uh, I think now they've played 13 games in the top one and a half quadrants. If you go through two A. And they're nine and four. It's like a super strong record against most of these teams around them. Mm-hmm. You know, you look at Michigan or, you know, Wisconsin, Penn State, any of those types of teams, most of them are either 500 if they're lucky or, or, or under. Um, so they start to win some of those types of comparisons. Obviously, they're not going to have those big, shiny, sexy wins um, that a lot of the Big Ten or Big 12 teams have. Um, but at some point, you have to strike a balance with it all. And that's why I like looking at the teams that they played and how they did and what's their story and comparing mm-hmm. the story uh, because 
you, you can get really lost in the madness of it all and the, the numbers if, you, if you're not able to kind of put that all together at the end. As, as Rocco gets to Boise State, Nevada, I'll pull out out of the bookshelf and dust off the cover of my of my Utah State story. Um, in terms of just looking at quadrants versus looking at the teams they play and where they play them and that sort of um, approach, Utah State doesn't have those shiny wins. It didn't beat San Diego State. Um, but what it does have is something that I, I, I wonder what the committee will do with. And that's how much, how extensive do you look at wins over the field? Is it just wins over projected at large teams? How deep do you want to go into the auto bids? Uh, Utah State beat Utah Valley. They're the whack lead. They're the whack leader coming into their tournament. They beat Bradley, who's a leader in their league, and they beat Oral Roberts, who swept the entire Summit League. Those are three really, really good mid-major mm-hmm. wins um, that I think have potential to carry more weight the deeper you look into their resume. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, definitely. Right. People forget about those other teams being pretty good as well. Just because they don't have the big name doesn't mean they aren't good team, aren't, aren't good teams and, and worthy of the uh the quadrants they're placed in. Uh Rutgers, guys. Let's talk Rutgers. We know yeah. about the bad loss, Minnesota. <laughs> Is it possible they end up missing the tournament, Lucas, entirely? Yeah. Is there a path? I mean, I felt yeah, I felt really safe with Rutgers when they were 16 and 7. Uh it's lost five of seven now, including the buzzer beating loss at Minnesota. Uh, when you look at it as as a whole, when we talk about the Big Ten, there's really only one bad loss in the Big Ten, and that's Minnesota, um, and they took that loss. You can find losing with losing to Minnesota with losing to Seton Hall in Nebraska, both at home, a neutral site loss to Temple. I mean, Rocco mentioned earlier, they have four losses in quad three. They're two and four in quad three, and I think mm-hmm. that's kind of back to the point with teams um, – I, I keep coming back to them, but with North Carolina and Utah State – uh, North Carolina is seven and zero in quad three. Utah State's thirteen and zero, and I think we yeah. we are, we under we underappreciate how hard it is to win in quad three, um, especially this year. Um, when you look at its team, Rutgers is two and four in quad three. Every single team ranked from thirty to forty in the net, except one has a quad three loss. Uh, there there's teams everywhere that have quad three losses, quad four losses. Texas A and M has two quad four losses too. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a ton of teams with those kind of losses this season where I think we underappreciate the value of scheduling quad three games over quad four games and winning those games. Yeah. Well said. I mostly agree there. And I just, one other point on Rutgers, I hinted at it earlier with since the Meg injury, they're two and five and the, yeah. the two wins were pretty good. They won at Penn state and at Wisconsin, but they took the home loss by 10 to Nebraska. And then they of course lost at Minnesota. I feel, I feel like, 
those losses outweigh the good wins in a little bit of a way because those are pretty tough losses in that league. Um, and then you also, they lost to Indiana, Michigan, and Illinois. Michigan was also a home loss by 13. Mm-hmm. And so this is the stuff that I think the committee will double click on when you're looking at a team with an injury issue, especially this particular committee, because some of the clues we were able to take from the bracket preview was they cared about Creighton's injury issue. They cared about TCU's injury issue. Um, they're going to care about these bubble injury issues. And for yeah. Rutgers, it's actually working a, a lot against them because the the sample size they're giving without Meg is a old, a completely different team. Yeah. I'll close with one negative and one positive on Rutgers. Uh, negatively, as, as Rocco mentioned, the Michigan loss, um, not only did they lose to Michigan, they lost to Michigan at home. And if Michigan's going to be a team that's sitting on the bubble, which would mean they would be at Indiana uh, tomorrow, head-to-head if they're directly next to each other in the last conversation, uh, that's the only match that Rutgers and Michigan have played to this point unless they meet in the Big yeah. Ten tournament. Um, positively though, when at home against Northwestern, they're probably in okay shape again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you're going to credit teams who had guys out with injury, you got to do the opposite, right? I mean, yeah. and yeah, that's a, yeah, you're looking at, you're looking at the team that's coming to the tournament. What do you bring into the yeah. dance? Yep. So what do you bring to the dance? Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Exactly. <laughs> media uh, basketball. And I'm on the other side. Why weren't I dancers? I'm that kid in the corner. Just a, a media pass and uh, <laughs> just waving to the fans. Uh, Florida Atlantic guys. Uh, everyone kind of a question on their mind here. They're awesome. By the way, if you never watched FAU play this season, they're fantastic. Rocco, are the owls safe even without the auto bid? What do you well, think about large well, capabilities? Got, yeah. Anytime you get a question like that in my seat, you have to look at the worst case scenario. So mm-hmm. the owls, I have tons of love for them. I've tried to express that on uh, publicly on Twitter, but um, in general with their resume, you know, they've had a heck of a run. Um, they actually went up with a blew out rice last night. They went up to top 15 in net, yeah. which, yeah. which matters a little bit for a team like this. That's hard to compare with big schools, um, but they'll end at law tech, which is a um, probably borderline quad three loss. If they lost that game, they actually went to overtime against law tech at home. So it could be a tricky matchup, but they all seem to be humming again. They won by a combined yeah. six, 66 points last week in their two home games. Um <laughs> And then, and then you look at the Conference USA bracket. They're actually going to play probably um, the winner of La Tech or FIU, which is a little tricky too because the La Tech took them to OT. Both those teams took them to OT. FIU took them to OT mm-hmm. one one game as well. So if they lost both of those, you're probably in the, uh, a little bit of a sketchy waters. I would hope they wouldn't lose by that much, so all their power numbers get screwed up. But um, yeah. They're they're almost all the way a lock. If they, I think if they just win one of these two, they're fine. Yep. Yeah, those resume yeah, metrics. Think, what twenty eighth right now, Lucas, in resume? Uh, twenty seven and a half. Yep. Pretty darn good. Yeah, they're one win away from a lock for me. I just just beat Louisiana Tech on the road, and they'll dance. Win their first game in the USA, and and they'll dance. Uh, they're playing really well since they lost to Mississippi to, to Middle Tennessee. Rocco hit it. Wins of 40, 26, and twenty nine since then. Yeah, not uh, bad. The thing I will say in relation to Florida Atlantic is I think they put themselves so close to a lock and a Louisiana Tech win would do that, that I love Florida Atlantic. I think they're by far the best team in the CUSA, but darn it, if this league is not right for a bid stealer. Um, North Texas is a really good team. Florida Atlantic yeah. swept them in the regular season. I, I can't wait to watch a CUS, tur- CUS tournament and hear the first, it's hard to beat a team three times when you talk Florida Atlantic, <laughs> North Texas. It's going to be an awesome tournament. Hey, UAB still there too. Mr. Jelly Walker. Yes. Yeah. Don't There's count them out. There. Certainly yeah. not. But UAB, I think UAB beat Florida State, Florida, Florida Atlantic already. So I can't they did beat, them. beat a team. Th- 
So I can't say beat a team three times then. I have That's to stick true. with North yeah, Texas for the for the narrative. And middle uh middle Tennessee should be the four seed. So that'd be a tough semifinal. Yeah. Middle Tennessee beat them up pretty good last time in uh, yep. Murfreesboro. So yeah. it's a good team too. Well coached as well. I like that team. Yep. Yeah. Uh Lucas, Providence. People might be surprised. I know I I was a little bit at where Providence is currently projected to be seated in the tournament right now. I believe a nine seed is kind of the consensus. Yeah. Why are the Friars so low right now? They're ranked, uh, well, in the AP poll, I think they're top 20. But even in Kimpom, they're pretty high right now, especially for Providence. We're not used to seeing them in the top 30-ish. Uh, why are they seated so low right now? Yeah, they're a nine seed for me too, but I think they're, they're one of those teams that has space between them and the tens. Um, I'm not super concerned about them falling significantly lower. I think they're probably going to be in an 8-9 game. Uh, as you mentioned, unlike last year, Providence's quality metrics are pretty good. Um, 32nd in BPI, 31st in Ken Pound, 28th in Sagarin. Uh, they have three quad one A wins, and that's awesome. But those are their only quad one A quad one wins. Um, that's not quite the quantity of other teams sitting in the area. Um, if you compare them to a team like Iowa, who has 13 quad one and two wins, or Iowa State, who has eight quad one wins, those teams are sitting a little bit higher um, in the six to eight seed range for me. Um, but yeah, I think overall Providence is in pretty safe position to dance and they'll be probably in that eight, nine game, um, type thing for me. If you want to go metric wise, Providence hated on Ken Palm all last year. How about you just add an I at the end of KP and you've got your resume <laughs> to hate this year. Uh, oh. they're top 40 in every metric except KPI where they're 58th. Yeah. Yeah. Ken Palm's doing them favors this year. Got them 31st, man. That's like, that's not. Ed Cooley's zone, man. Ed Cooley hangs out in the 40 to 60 range and gets a, well, the same exact seed they're, they're pretty much slated for this year. Six to nine is usually where they hang out. Um, let's, let's shift gears here because Rocco, you have a specific question in the chat just for you. Okay. What is your favorite low to mid-major tournament and which team from that tournament should we watch out for proceeding match purposes in the dance? You can't beat Arch Madness, and it's going on as yes. we speak. So it's uh, I'm, I'm great doing answer duty here. Um, you know, to me, the the two best there's 32 conference tournaments, and I love all 32, and I try mm -hmm. to represent as many of those as I can. Uh, but there's two that are just absolutely on their own level. One is the Big East tournament in the Garden, and two yep. is Arch Madness in St. Louis. Uh, both are bucket list items for me. Um, you know, I was supposed to actually be at the Big East the year of COVID, and I canceled the flight last second. Thank goodness. But uh, yeah, I'll get to both of those one year. And I do think out of the Valley, uh, Bradley's obviously playing very well, won the league, um, will be a very tough out in the tournament. Drake has beaten Mississippi State. Drake has a lot of great wins. They have a ton of experience. They have two mm -hmm. starters that were in the 2020 championship game that are still there. So it's yeah. like, uh, those two teams will be probably your toughest out, but I'll mention Indiana state. If they can survive this, um, they're built kind of like a poor man's Florida Atlantic because they can go nine deep. They have all these different matchup options. Uh, every single game of an event like arch madness, they can throw different lineup combos at you. They, they like to mix their starting lineups. Uh, Voss is a fun player. Um, Henry yes. attacks, Henry attacks the basket with tenacity. Um, so, I mean, it's the sick, the sycamores, AKA the trees, a lot of fun to watch. It'd be cool to see a game against Bradley tomorrow. We'll see if we get that. Also, Cooper Nice is nine for 11 from three today. So that's, yeah, that's not bad. That's pretty <laughs> good. They've got a great mix of guys. If they can they just do. get, get humming. Well, coach too, like Josh shirts over there. Yep. Uh, Lucas for you, if Arizona beats UCLA at Poly pavilion, who ends up being higher on the two seed line, who gets the two seed in the West? 
Yeah, I think I'd probably end up going with Arizona there. The sweep? Um, just because, yeah, I think the sweep. And that'll put UCLA down to two and three in quad one A games and it'd bring Arizona to five and oh. Um, I think yeah. that's going to be hard to that's argue ridiculous. with. Almost six uh, and oh, right? I think they lost one, right, recently? Yes, I think one dropped from quad one A down to quad one. Um, yeah, real close. But but I think that that would probably give the edge there. Um, but I wouldn't see necessarily a huge argument if you put UCLA higher. They're probably still going to have better quality metrics. Mm-hmm. Um, and they will have the cleanest resume up top. All four of their losses are in quad one. That would be all five losses after a yeah. loss to Arizona, if that was the case. Whereas Arizona's got three of its five losses in quad two. Rocco, to you. We talked Villanova a little bit. But what do they have to do to get that large, or is it impossible? Cut down the nets in the garden. There you go. <laughs> get, to, get to Saturday. Get to Saturday. I'm on board. I'm on board. I think they can lose in the tail game and still get in. Yeah. I feel it. I'll, I'll bounce back to Rocco here because that was a short question. But question about – this is related to injuries. Or, in this case, a guy kicked off the team. Iowa State, they have yeah. not been playing very well. Caleb Grill yep. just got kicked off the team. Yeah. How far – do they drop? Can they drop to Dayton? Get that far? Uh, the record yeah. is kind of getting close. No, Dayton. Yeah, is, I don't is think so. Bridge too far. I think the bridge is too far. I, yeah, I think I tweeted out something. If if the season was two weeks longer, they might be able to fall out yeah. of the field because they could lose Oof, themselves. Yeah. They, I mean, it's a team that hasn't won since the bracket preview, but at the time, the committee believed they were the 11th best team. Um, yeah. which is probably a little higher than I think most of us had them, but mm-hmm. yep. um, no matter how you slice it, they were at least a three or a four range. And yep. Um, I think the most extreme we've ever seen was your Mizzou Tigers. Um, they were that, that year they were, I think it was three years ago. They were the 16th last team on the bracket reveal. They ended up a nine seed. Um, <laughs> so, about that. Yeah, yeah. So maybe, maybe that's the extreme we'll see here at the worst for Iowa state. I think the hard thing for the committee is um, a couple things. One is um, little limited sample size. They'll get to see Iowa state once without grill this weekend. And then maybe twice if they bounce out early in the big 12, There'll only be two pieces of data. Um, and then the other part is if you look at the board, um, you know, if, you'll have to imagine this in your head and look at our bracket later, but from the six seeds down through the 11s, there's a lot of mush in there. And so Iowa state keeps hanging on because a lot of the teams in that range keep losing, or they just don't have yeah. all the, all the groundwork that Iowa state created. Yeah. So, um, it, you know, cyclones are kind of lucking out in some ways here. Yeah. And eight Lucas. one wins still. Yeah, still pretty darn good. I looked the other day. I looked at it and I was like, "Sheesh!" I guess they're still pretty high up here on the S curve. I mean, you can't really argue with eight Q one wins. <laughs> pretty yeah. good. Um, Lucas, which team is most likely to be underseeded? I can tell you from a betting perspective, but let's get your bracketologist take. Yeah, hmm, it's a tough question. Um, I think I would like to go with Arkansas. I think with a healthy Nick Smith, yeah, I think good answer. if you really, I think they're probably going to sit for me. They're on the eight seed line right now. Um, I think that they're probably a better team than that overall. I mean, they're top 16 in all three quality metrics. You want to believe the computers that would put them as a top four seed. That would be like double their seed that they're currently at right now. Yep. So I would probably go with Arkansas as that team. Um, with that said, I think that like, if there's a couple teams on the outside of the field that get in, um, like, for instance, if, as Rocco mentioned, if Villanova runs through the Big East tournament, they're probably going to get an 11 or a 12. And that's a really, really, really good team that you don't want to see if they yep. continue to be as hot as they have been. They'd probably be in that mix, too. But I think I'd go with Arkansas because I think Creighton is going to get the, the the attention they deserve 
um, seed wise after how much they respected them at the bracket preview with Carl Penner's injury. Do you want to add a team there, Rocco? They can be underseeded. I, I was just going to throw Utah Valley out there. Um, the Wolverines Ooh. are. Um, sure. I've had them as a twelve all year. I think they belong there, but I could see the committee maybe throwing them as a thirteen. Yeah. Uh, either way, they're not going to be in the top eleven because. Um, they play in the whack and there's some disadvantages there, but they're a 23 win team. If they, if they win tonight, they'll be at 24 wins. If they win the whack, which they'll need to do, they'll be at 27 wins. And they're, I mean, they're dangerous. They've won at Oregon. Uh, they've won yes. at, BYU, at BYU by 15. So, I mean, they're, they're a team with Moxie and Trey Woodbury hits all sorts of clutch shots. Justin Harmon's terrific. Um, so again, from a, I don't know how you want to look at this, and and you can't really seed them much higher than twelve, but I, I think Utah Valley is pretty dangerous if they get in. You talk about throw me Colgate, throw me Colgate, Colgate. Yeah, I think they could. I think they could find themselves as a fifteen. They bring back a lot of pieces from last year that threatened mm-hmm. Wisconsin. They're the best three point shooting team in the country. They're shooting forty one percent from deep this year. They yeah. don't turn. They don't turn it over. They shoot a ton of threes. They hit a ton of threes. Uh, they defensively rebound and they keep you off the line. I think those give you a lot of. Um, if they get the right three or two seed, they're an interesting group. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Colgate, I mean, we've seen, we've seen the damage they've done recently in tournaments. They almost beat Arkansas. Uh, that was their most recent they'll, one, they'll, right? They, they can tell a power con- They can tell a power conference team to brush their teeth. Yeah, <laughs> there, you, there you go. The Colgate toothpaste brand. I'll, I'll not sponsored. For that not one. a sponsor of Field of 68 or Fielding the 68, but still a good toothpaste brand. Yeah, Utah Valley, you talk about a coaching job Mark Matson's done. You lose Fardaz Amak, two-time WAC Player of the Year, Defense Player of the Year, whatever he was, and you get better the next Got season. Better. Go figure. Yeah, go figure. Texas Tech doing pretty well with him back in the lineup. Uh, yeah. Let's shift gears, guys, to finish the show here. Games to watch this weekend: uh, Tennessee at Auburn. We talked about the Tigers; they have fallen down the S curve. A win here does wonders for their tournament hopes. A loss, well, they'll be holding their breath on selection selection Sunday. Rocco, the biggest game probably is the mountain West battle between Boise and Utah state Two bubble mountain West squads, top 26 teams. Who you got spectrum center, Utah state gets it done. I think they should. Yeah. They're, they're really good at home. Um, Typically they fell short in that San Diego state game, but uh, that could have gone either way. Uh, I I think they'll get it done. I'm just not sure. Um, You know, we'll, we'll see. Cause again, you can only take 36 at large teams. So uh, if a couple bids get stolen or if all these other teams above them keep winning, I, if it was a road game, I'd be like, yes, they're in, but just winning at home. They've done that before they did it. And it's not San Diego state. So beating a team that's a nine seed at home, you almost probably should do that. Um, so I, I just don't know if it moves the needle enough. I'll, we'll have to see how it plays out. They'll probably go out and pound them too, because I mean, right now, so my issue with Utah state is their best road wins at UNLV, which they just got. And it's a UNLV team. That's, pretty much dead right now and they pounded them by 25 that's why they're 22 in the net they skyrocketed because they beat UNLV that's not playing the same anymore um so you know I I just I think Utah State's biggest hole is on the road and they can't do anything about that in this game true uh obviously Duke UNC hey big game for college basketball purposes but a big game for the Tar Heels they win you heard Lucas and Rocco probably give them the nod for the for the tournament or at least going into the ACC tournament, um, Arizona state at USC bubble, 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 Lucas. We had a question actually in the chat that asked, can USC and Arizona state both get in the field? I think the answer is yes. Uh, both. Yeah. Of you I have think it would take Arizona currently. state to win that. Game. I think Arizona state would have to win that game. Mm-hmm. I think USC is in better position 
I, mean, I actually think USC is in, in, in pretty okay spot. They're 10 and 7 off the. You, the you have them on the 10 line, right? USC? Yes. Uh, I yes. do. They're my top 10. Top 10. Yeah, they've improved recently. The metrics, uh, I, I noticed they climbed a bit. I think, I think they're in the uh, fielding the 68 last four out or, or first four in, excuse me, a couple weeks ago, but they've climbed up. Yeah, they've played seems. well. And then, of course, guys, conference tournaments, man. You got to watch conference tournaments. Uh, uh, Arch Madness, man, I, Rocco talked got, about it. Man, I got <laughs> 10 bubble games that you haven't listed yet. Oh, well, list them off, man. Give us what we should Kansas, watch. Kansas State at West Virginia. West Virginia is going to get in a point where they, they, can get a lot of, they can get a lot of losses. Um, winning that one, though, I think they're in pretty good shape. UConn at Villanova. Villanova's only chance to stay in that large conversation is if they win this game. If they lose, they'll be out, and they'll have to win an MSG. Oklahoma State at Texas Tech. Oklahoma State, ton of losses, must-win game. Got to beat Texas Tech. Pittsburgh at Miami, Florida. Pittsburgh struggled, has been really, really good on the road this year. Uh, need that one to stay in pretty safe position. I have them as one of my last, as one of my 11 seeds right now, not in the last four in. Mississippi State at Vanderbilt, tough road game. Vanderbilt's played pretty well recently. Mississippi State looking to stay on the right side of the bubble. Houston at Memphis. Memphis can pretty much secure itself a bit if they win this game against Houston. If not, uh, they're still in danger if they lose in their first game of the AC tournament. Maryland at Penn State. Penn State looking to play its way into the field. Tough, really nice home opportunity against a team that's played really poor on the road. Um, can put themselves um, not only close to the cut line, but also give themselves a better seed in the Big Ten tournament um, to potentially get another tough matchup instead of having to play Minnesota in the first round. Uh, Michigan at Indiana, only shot, I think, for Minnesota for Michigan to really be in the at-large conversation. I think they have to win this one after they didn't get the one in double OT at Illinois last night. Um, Northwestern at Rutgers. Rutgers is trending down. I'm getting closer to the bubble. I think that's mm-hmm. a game that can clinch their spot in the field. And Wisconsin at Minnesota, that's a play out game for Wisconsin, in my opinion. They lose at Minnesota, they're done. Love it. The rundown. What I heard, Lucas, in my head, what I just heard is there's a ton of good college basketball on the next week or so. Yes. Oh, man. Put it on your TV. Put it on all your TVs you got at your house. Just watch college basketball for the next month. It's going to be great. Guys, thanks for joining us on Fielding the 68. A reminder, as usual, the full bracket from our four experts the consensus bracket will be tweeted after the show at the field of 68 on Twitter. Thanks to run your pool. We'll be back on Monday with a brand new show uh, at 4 PM central 5 PM Eastern. We'll see you then. Enjoy the games this weekend. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants. They all depend on you. No matter the weather emergency or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.